This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know, know. planes that they're building? Police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome everybody to Strange Uncles. I am Shane. I am John. I'm Josh. Hi guys. How you doing by the way? Missed you this week. Good. Good. I'm a little tired from doing a bunch of yard work getting it ready for springtime growing. It's crazy that it's already basically spring since it never really was winter. I I was going to say, yeah, it actually is kind of insane that it kind of rolled into that shit, at least for us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We had soft like a week here or two that was actually like cold and snowy and that was it the rest yeah, of it has it was, been yeah. like 60 it's been a pretty mild winter i don't know about 60 but it's been cold but it hasn't been just super shitty weather or anything yeah well and you know for those listeners that are across the country too you know obviously that wasn't the case for everyone <laughs> texas got nailed and you yeah. know i just it's a shitty thing we lucked out Yeah, we really lucked out yeah, i know the northeast that, uh, always gets hit yeah yeah, I know that um, Spokane got hit, Coeur d'Alene got hit, so you know I'm moving back to that way come May. You know we'll see if I can't get used to the snow yet again. You know, but <laughs> anyway, but uh, yeah, for those of you who have caught up with what we do every month, we do a Fortia News episode, and uh, it just happens to be the very beginning week of March, so we're on the news. And I gotta say, I found some pretty cool. Uh, news articles on my side. I don't know about you guys, but they're kind of a hodgepodge of weird shit that I've been collecting over the last like week. And mm-hmm. so I don't know. You know, maybe it's that spring equinox that just weird shit's happening. I know there's a full moon. I think like last Saturday, and the wife and I were traveling, kind of out and about, COVID safe, of course. And man, I'll tell you, I am a firm believer in full moons because weird shit, just weird synchronicities, things happening, people. It. I don't know. I don't know. It just it was just weird altogether. I think it definitely sometimes does have an effect because I've worked some crazy nights in the bar that could be just chalked up to a crazy night in a bar, but all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's a full moon. That's why everybody was acting like a fucking lunatic. Yeah, check check that box. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it probably more than likely is just people acting like lunatics in a bar, but for some reason, those full moons bring it out in people. It's just weird. I don't know. You know, like I said, I, I firm believer. My mom believed in it, and I, god damn it, I called her a kook for a long time, but... Ugh, I got an egg on my yeah. face at this point. So I mean, if it controls the tides and everything like that, controls water, I don't know, maybe it has some type of effect on us. Yeah, our bodies are, what, like 80% water or some shit? Yeah, like Something. 74 or 75, yeah. yeah it makes yeah. sense, you know, psychological. But anyway. I'm no scientist, but I know we have some water in us. <laughs> Look at you, Betty Crocker. So, yeah, here we are. Um, I've got a couple, actually got one real quick thing. So when a cool show or a good book or whatever comes, and John, I know you got something on your side, um, but I have been checking out a show, and Josh, I know you and I talked about it, but I don't know if you had a chance to see it. It's on Sci-Fi. Um, it actually has the guy, I think, that was on Firefly, I believe, the same actor. 
Um, it's called Resident Alien, and it is fucking hilarious. Mm, I got most of the way through the first episode and got fucking annoyed and turned it off. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, maybe I got a different taste. I, I loved it. I like how they do it because it's kind of funny, and he's trying to conquer the world and fucking kill humans, but he finds out that he necessarily can't do that as he's living in the cabin masquerading as a town's doctor not to give away the whole plot but um yeah very good so anybody that kind of wants a kind of light-hearted alien comedy a resident alien on sci-fi and uh it's yeah, pretty good give it a shot i mean i was in a really fucking bad mood when i tried to watch it so mm, fair nothing enough. seemed funny to me fair at enough. That moment. Uh, one of my coworkers said that that was really good and they suggested i watch it yeah it's not yeah good. alan tudyk is the actor um he was wash in firefly um oh there you go and uh usually pretty much anything he he does is usually pretty good i mean that dude's hilarious yeah oh yeah oh shit yeah he's been in a bunch of stuff too i just know he sticks out in firefly so I yeah and the the role pay, plays to like his deadpan delivery also he was the voice of the fucking uh droid in uh rogue one also Oh really? oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. Huh. That's funny. That's strange. Hmm. Well, did you check out uh, Zeroville at all, John Josh? Um, it's not on Hulu. It's Showtime. Oh, and then if you okay. have a subscription to Showtime, you can watch it on Hulu. So, uh, I have a subscription to Showtime. I don't know if logging. I don't have a subscription to Hulu though. I have a subscription. I tried every time I try and get on the Showtime. It's I don't know. I feel well, like you're doing something, then I got to verify it. And I'm like, hey, you should be getting a link from <laughs> yeah. Showtime. Like, and then uh, it's like too long. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm just going to watch something else on like a million of my other platforms that I have to watch things on. Let's talk about this offline because there's nothing I love more than stealing from the cable company. So <laughs> I was going to um, say, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll reconvene this conversation later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one show, though, that I've been watching like the la- the first few episodes of uh is for all mankind mm. um it's on apple tv plus and it's uh basically set on um the russians land on the moon the week before apollo 11 supposed to go up oh um, shit and so like dealing with the aftermath of that so it's like kind of weird alternate universe type stuff but so far it's pretty good um joel kinnaman uh, who was like who played the main guy in the first season of Altered Carbon, and he's just been oh. in a ton of stuff. Uh, he's one of the main characters. He's an astronaut. Um, it's been pretty interesting and good so far. Nice, cool. That sounds check that out. Yeah, I want to check that out. Yeah, I got Apple TV. Oh, by the way, Josh, I checked out. Uh, is it Greyhound with Tom Hanks? Is yeah, right? fucking oh, fuck. awesome. I need to watch that awesome, amazing. It's really intense and really good. Uh, the first time I watched it, I felt kind of suffocated. The like it's done that well you, <laughs> you know what I mean? claustrophobia yeah it can if if anybody's a claustrophobic don't don't yeah don't yeah the second time i watched it i was like this movie is like two hours shorter than i remember it being <laughs> the first time i watched it because it's so intense the first time you watch it like it seems like a really really long movie but i think it's like under two hours yeah oh, yeah i've i meant to watch that and i totally just spaced it yeah yeah, between that well, books, it's been crazy for sure. Yeah, you know. Um, well, are you guys up for a little uh, UFO sighting? Absolutely. Let's kick it off, man. The UFOs well, aren't real, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's a government conspiracy. Uh, so over this past weekend, so we're recording this uh, 
March 1st, March 2nd, whatever. Um, <clears throat> last Sunday or the on the 21st, American Airlines pilot reported seeing a long cylindrical object coming startlingly close to the aircraft um, as it was flying over New Mexico. And the FBI said it was aware of the incident and which it occurred on a flight from Cincinnati to Phoenix. Um, the FAA said in a statement that air traffic controllers did not see any object in the area on their radar scopes. Um, American airlines confirmed that the radio call came from one of its flights, but deferred further questions to the FBI following a debrief with our flight crew and additional information received. We can confirm this radio transmission was from American airlines flight 2292 on February 21st, the airline company said. And uh, we actually have a little bit of audio from the pilots to the tower, if you want to play that, Shane. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Here we go. have any targets up here? We just had something go right over the top of us that, I hate to say, this looked like a long cylindrical object. It almost looked like a cruise missile type of thing moving really fast that went right over the top of us. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so they were flying over New Mexico, like I said, fairly close to White Sands uh, missile testing. But um, there, the, it wasn't a missile. There's no way they're going to be like firing these missiles next to commercial aircraft. No, no. And they have like, like, I don't think missiles just go, go, go rogue on these tests. You know what I mean? Like they, they have strict... Like they're not messing around when they test missiles. Well, they're not gonna. It's not gonna be able to go rogue next to if, a commercial jet. If Hollywood has taught me anything, <laughs> they have like an abort button where they can basically like destroy like destroy the missile midair if right it away. Does yeah. Do oh yeah. Sure, fucking weird. Yeah, I'm sure they have tons of regulation. Yeah, I'm sure they have tons of regulations because the military doesn't need that PR nightmare. Oh on my there. god! You know, like, could you fucking? Imagine? Oh, we were testing well, this on mean, White Sands. We accidentally blew up a fucking American Airlines. Flight, it's not like know? they haven't done it before. Yeah. yeah. Hey, anybody us, that was you know. on Delta Flight Forty Nine Ninety Six going to San Francisco. Pick up your family's pieces at, uh, yeah, that usually doesn't happen. Nobody's going to, and it's not going to be in the flight pattern. That's the thing. Like when flights fly, they document the flight pattern. They own that flight pattern. Yeah. That just doesn't mix. Those two doesn't mix. They don't mix. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, who knows what it is, but very interesting. Um, and it's good that the pilots can feel comfortable like reporting that. And it does sound eerily similar to the Tic Tac you know, long cylindrical object. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I thought that was well. So real quick. And, and if you, sorry, John, to interrupt you a bit, but so you had this news article and I got to kind of search and it, it reminded me that I stumbled on another one about a week and a half ago. And this is more directly Utah related. So, you know, obviously you guys and Larry and Alex and Katie and everybody in Utah, by the way, um, thank you. New Patreon listeners. Um, it is Josh and Karen. Appreciate you joining. Uh, hopefully you enjoy yes, what we do. You. Yeah. Um, I stumbled on an old article. Did you guys hear in 2016 a drone that caught that UFO footage in Beaver, Utah? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. some of the craziest shit I've ever seen. Yeah. Isn't that yeah, amazing? Yeah, they were just yeah. filming B-roll stuff, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And it just, out of the fucking glimpse of the corner of the drone, psh, bam, you could see yeah. it flying across. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's a thing. Yeah. Uh, John, actually, that story you were just talking about was what they were talking about on that uh, daily news show I listened to when I texted you guys the other day. Uh, like in reference, setting up that story, they brought up the 
jetpack dude at LAX, and oh. that's where the dude was like, "Oh yeah, it turns out that was just a drone." I was like, "Oh fuck, really?" Yeah, hmm. I guess that's a good update for because we did report on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's the not a over, not a lot to update other than like dude on a random like regular ass news show that doesn't like isn't into UFOs and shit like that was like, "Oh yeah, that turned out to just be a drone." Yeah, like, well, I'm just saying for say us. Like, heard that or anything? Yeah, but. I forgot that you told me about that. So yeah, if anybody remembers us talking about the random guy in a jetpack flying over LAX, yeah, I uh, think just, that was two news news episodes ago. I think. Yeah, it was. It was, yeah. This it was year, a few fairly, months ago. I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but um, apparently that was just a drone that kind of looked like a guy. I, yeah, which is that's weird. what it sounds like. I, which well, okay. is. Still weird, but kind of a bummer. I like the idea of some dickhead with a jetpack just like... Burr, burr, burr. Speaking of yeah, dickheads, like if I see a gigantic 20-foot penis flying through there and it's a drone, I'm going to laugh my ass off because that's going to be the best one ever. Just you know, <laughs> catching people's attention as it goes flying by. Well, like, let's all pitch in. <laughs> hey, here we go. Get it's a, a start Get up. a Halloween costume for the fucking Reaper drones up at Hill Air Force Base. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Cool. We just got to save our Patreons for the next six years, and then we'll uh, <laughs> we can make one of our own. We'll be able to afford that sweet penis drone footage, or you know, whatever sweet model or whatever penis we got. drone. God. Anyway, with that being said, I've got uh, something to kick off with you, John, a bit, and then we can go to Josh. Uh, and this really isn't anything weird other than just like, bam, wow, we're here, we think, guys. So the article is, world's first space hotel to begin construction in low Earth orbit in 2025. So I'm not a mathematician, but it's 2021 as far as I know. And so they're looking at starting this in like four years, which, you know, I mean, obviously – We've been talking about this, and there's been advancements of technology and everything to that point. But this is actually – it's written up. It's done. They've got the area to do it in, and they're going to try to actually start building it once they get all the permits and everything done. Um, it says it's going to be complete with restaurant cinemas and rooms for up to 400 guests. Uh, it will start in 2025, and it's developed by Orbital Assembly Corporation – uh, the Voyager stations, what they're calling it, could be operational as early as 2027 with the infrastructure built in orbit around the Earth. Um, and basically, it's going to rotate and generate artificial gravity that will set it similar to the moon. And, um, yeah, they're going to put that together, throw it out there in space. And it says here, with the help of Elon Musk, go figure, um, they're getting cheaper because they're going to reuse the launchable vehicles like SpaceX Falcon 9 and the future Starship, which – you know, exist today. So in four years or 2027, I'm sure we're going to advance on that a little bit. Um, but, you know, I'm looking at the renderings and I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're in the future, or at least we're <laughs> working towards it amongst racism, pandemic, um, coming out of a shitty presidency. But, you know, thank God this is online and ready to go, right? Oh, man, you so, don't want to hear my opinion on this. I knew oh. I knew Elon Musk has had to have had a hand in that. Also, how much is it going to be for like a one night stay? It's already expensive to uh, stay at an all inclusive in Mexico, let alone <laughs> more than you or I or Shane put together can afford. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm Absolutely. sure it's probably I mean, like a just a just a, a flight into low Earth orbit on anything any of the fucking megalomaniacal billionaires are working on through their various private space agencies is like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that's for like thirty seconds in the upper atmosphere. Like, yeah, absolutely. And even if that comes yeah. down in like the next six years. 
Jesus it would have is to come down be. astronomically. It would have it, to literally rocket itself back down to Earth. To <laughs> there is literally no feasible way other than um, all of the sudden these fucking assholes growing consciences that would make that more affordable than a trip to Disneyland, which is out of my current budget. So agreed. Yeah, absolutely um, agreed. Yeah. I don't know. Like, great. Just what we need more trash in fucking low earth orbit. That, and that's the, and exactly what if it fails, you know, it's uh well, see, what if it succeeds? Where do, what do you think they're going to do with the garbage up there? They're going to do just like what they did on your destroyer, Shane. They're just going to toss it out the side. They're going to yep. fucking vent it into the atmosphere. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. I, in my mind, I'm already writing the disaster movie um, in the style of <laughs> towering Inferno, where this thing drifts into a field of like, shit going 18,000 miles an hour of debris and just gets shredded. <laughs> Jesus. Like this just it's a bad idea. It, it's an like absolute bad idea. Bad to me. idea. I mean, why don't we start back up the fucking boat a little bit and clean up our orbit and try to get set. Nobody ever has that plan. You know, like when we launch a probe to a fucking planet, whether it's the moon or Mars, oh yeah, this is this new home for the rest. You know, even if it fucking shits a crick in a week, there it sits. And that's, we don't have any long-term viable solutions as long as it doesn't affect us we don't even do that here on earth necessarily so i'm absolutely in agreement and well yeah we definitely don't clean up the earth the no. earth is a trash can no absolutely. yeah i mean the everyone knows about the fucking g- south pacific gyre that's bigger than fucking texas that's just floating plastic it, it's trash. own its own fucking continent yeah yeah <laughs> same well sorry i brought that up but there you go no i mean i i honestly like (laughs) those are good good points stole but like uh it's still cool it's still like well it's maybe not cool cool isn't the right cool isn't the right word but it's the the idea of it is cool yeah the idea of it's amazing like the first just imagine deep space nine you know like or even like that that opening scene not like the opening opening scene with the monkeys and and shit but like the uh opening scene of the actual plot of the movie of uh 2001 a space odyssey where it's him docking with the uh-huh. with the space hotel you know what yeah. i mean oh, before yeah, yeah, he yeah. goes on to the moon like that shit's amazing um mm-hmm. the idea of that is really cool um logistically i don't know how they do it because like you can't you can't keep it even permanently staffed because the longest that's safe to spend where they're wanting to put it is like six to eight weeks at a time i think yeah because it messes with you like bone density and stuff mm-hmm. like that yeah all kinds of that health hit. yeah and that's a thing yeah. too so you have to cycle all that out you know unless yeah. we make some kind of a tremendous well so the price on this well, whole and thing- it's not just like like six weeks on six weeks off either you know what i mean because it no. takes longer than that to recover all that when you come back no no you'd be on earth for like six months just trying to grind yourself a bit so um the cost on that i don't know let's do trivia questions shall we around the house anybody want to take a guess uh josh how much do you think that they're guesstimating this is going to cost less than a trillion Ooh. okay the construction or the like the whole construction of it um the whole thing yeah what do you think of john um 500 billion so they're comparing this they are thinking the it took the space to the international space station um so far has a running bill of 100 billion they're looking at three times that so yeah well, by the prices well. right rules john wins <laughs> yeah with a little yodeler that goes up the hill before it falls the price off is right <laughs> it's out of sight it goes on forever and ever and ever uh, it's out of sight nice 
I got. I'll never get that on my head. Thanks, John. So that fucking. Sucks. I have a really like. I I'm conflicted on certain things like this, like sp- space exploration mm-hmm. and this types of stuff. Because like on the one hand, it fascinates me and it intrigues my imagination, and it like it it like blows my mind that we can figure stuff like this out. And on the other hand, we have people starving in our own country. I don't have health insurance. Uh, right. You know what I mean. Right. And like our infrastructure is crumbling, but yet we're gonna yeah. throw a hotel up in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, on one hand, our science fiction is becoming reality. <clears throat> on the other hand, mankind is a piece of shit. So also, if here's like just from a business perspective, if it cost a hundred billion to get the ISS up and running, why is it going to cost three times that to get this hotel up and running using proven technology? Well, like and not only that, but no the ISS they should well, scale the other way. Yeah, exactly. Well, because probably because they're going to try and put a movie theater in there, and they're going to try and put like actual like can, hospitable rooms. Like the ISS is for scientists; they're not trying to church it up and make it super. It's pretty rough and nice. Yeah, and know? the thing is, ISS has been built for how many years? Like gradually, you know, modules been added. This, you know, so I mean, you're looking at the like the long term. They're looking at this whole quadrant. Well, bam, this is going to be the chunk of money. To- to me, I'm like, how do you not? How do you build this space hotel not modularly? Because a, you have to do that to be able to get everything up there. You have to do it modularly, and b, you'd want it modularly built for safety reasons. Well, I'm sure they are. You know what they, I mean? I'm yeah, sure they but, are, but it's just going to be like, boom, that's up, boom, that's up, boom, that's right. Up. Like to John's work. defense, that's kind of what what that. I mean, these are going to be more high end modulars that they're going to build in segments as they make whatever this yeah. orbit looks like. You know. Yeah, so that's that's just my thing. It's like, man, spending all this money on that when we could like be making drinkable water for like poor countries or like, ending okay. hunger across yeah. the globe for yes. a fraction of what that would cost. Because yeah, apparently, so we clearly have enough money to do that. We just don't want to do it. Yeah, uh, exactly. So. It's it's like every time you talk about uh, the defense budget in the U.S. versus the fucking twist people on the right get in themselves over for giving student loans like you know a well, fraction of yeah. the hundreds of billions of dollars <laughs> that we give to the defense industry yeah. we could use to clear that little picadillo up and immediately bolster the middle class but no agree yeah. and and before we move on to you josh this is why we moved into privatizing things. This is why Elon Musk is building what he built because it's not the government's money. It's not their earmarks on their side. It's something else. And, and so yes, who's to is. say, well, it is, but you know, it's, it's fucking detoured way around that. Dude, right. You know, as they privatization say, privatization is the so. biggest fucking crock of shit in the entire world. Well, it's just a move towards deregulation and for private companies to use public capital. Like it's, yeah. Well, that might be the reason that they're going to be able to do something like this is because they do put it under that privatized. It's built by a corporation. You know, it's not like the fucking, you know, presidential, whatever, whoever's in charge yeah. of the government's going to put that up there. You know, yeah. it's a different. And we're getting into the weeds on that. But yeah, agreed, yeah, yeah. Anyway, we can so. probably talk about this for the entire episode, but no one wants to hear our <laughs> exactly. politics on all of this. So what do you got, Josh? What are you rolling with over there? Uh, have you all ever heard of. The mystery of India's Lake of Skeletons. 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 Uh, No, I haven't. Um, Well, high in the Indian Himalayas, a remote lake nestled in the snowy valley is strewn with hundreds of human skeletons. 
Uh, Rupkund Lake is located 5,029 meters, uh, which is uh, 16,500 feet above sea level, mm-hmm. uh, at the bottom of a steep slope on Trisul, one of India's highest mountains in the state of, I can't even pronounce this, but uh, Uttarakhand. Uttarakhand. Okay. Um, the remains are strewn about around and beneath the ice at the lake. Um, affectionately named the Lake of Skeletons. Um, and it was discovered by a patrolling British uh, forest ranger in 1942. Uh, depending on the season and weather of the lake, which remi- remains frozen for most of the year, um, which expands and shrinks, um, you can see just skeletons everywhere, some with flesh still attached because it's usually frozen. Um, they say there are an estimated uh, six to 800 people's remains there. Damn. Yeah. Um, In tourism promotions, the local government describes it as, quote unquote, mystery lake. Uh, For more than half a century, anthropologists and scientists have studied the remains and puzzled over a host of questions. Who were these people? When did they die? How did they die? Where did they come from? Uh, One old theory associates the remains to an Indian king, his wife and their attendants, all of whom perished in a blizzard some 870 years ago. Another suggests that some were the remains of Indian soldiers who tried to invade Tibet in 1841 and were beaten back. More than 70 of them were then forced to find their way home over the Himalayas and died on their way, uh, being as that's 70, not 6 to 800. I think that one's probably not right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yet another assumes this could have been a cemetery where victims of an epidemic were buried. Uh, from villages in the area, there's a popular folk song that talks about how goddess Nanda Devi created a hailstorm as hard as iron, which killed people winding their way past the lake. Um, India's second highest mountain, Nanda Devi, is referred to as a goddess. <clears throat> Interesting. So they haven't figured out. It's it's debatable how old these skeletons are then. Yep. Um, so... Earlier studies of the skeletons have found that most of the people who died were tall, um, more than average stature, so taller than the uh, average people in the region. Um, Most of them were middle-aged adults, aged between 35 and 40. Uh, There were no babies or children. Um, Some of them were elderly women. All were of reasonably good health. So there's basically no reason for them to have died there. Um. God, that's weird. They can't, yeah, they can't find any bacterial pathogens, um, anything like that, like uh, no real reason for it. Um, There's been a new study. Um, Trying to skim to that spot. Uh, The last five-year-long study involving 28 co-authors from 16 institutions based in India, the U.S., and Germany found all these assumptions may not be true. Um, They genetically analyzed and carbon dated the remains of 38 bodies, including 15 women um, found at the lake, and some of them date back to around uh, 1,200 years ago. Uh, Yeah, they found that the dead were most... Uh, were both genetically diverse and that their deaths were separated in time by as much as a thousand years. Um, It upends any explanation that involved a single catastrophic event that led to their deaths. Um, One of the lead authors of the study said, Um, it's still not clear what happened at Rupkund Lake, 
but uh, hmm. we can now be certain that the death of these individuals cannot be explained by a single event. Da, da, da. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Weird. More interestingly, the genetic study from the dead uh, comprised a diverse group. So there were uh, one group of people that had genetics similar to present day people who live in South Asia, but it would have been the northern part of South Asia. Oh. Um, so above the Himalayas. Um, and then uh, another group uh, were closely related to present day Europe, particularly those living in the Greek island of Crete. Um, so they basically also have no reason why people from that region would have traveled to that area. Why, why people from Crete would have traveled up into the Himalayas, uh, fucking a thousand years ago. Um, could it be, there's no record of nope, no trade route, (laughs) no record of a trade route through the area. Uh, no record of a pilgrim route. Although in some temples there are like, uh, some paintings and some stuff that indicates, that maybe like a long ass time ago, there was some sort of like pilgrimage route, but uh, at, at the end of the day, no, like war, nor ro- war route or anything. Yeah. Yeah. I guess no. there's no maybe some. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's um, just strange that they're all from different. They could all be from different times too. Somehow that just area is just yeah. bodies. Also, I was thinking if it still has skin on the skeleton, do you think it would still be able to like, DNA uh, preserve some clothing or well DNA, but I was just saying like clothing, like some, some type of clothing still left on the bodies. Um, it maybe or would that just, I mean, obviously it perish after 12,000 years, but I mean, yeah. But I mean, if, if the reason that there's still flesh on some of the remains is that it's been frozen, you'd think that there would also be uh cloth clothing. Looking at the pictures, they don't really mention anything specifically about that in the article and looking at the few pictures in here, uh, I can't really see anything. Hmm. Um, this is from the BBC, by the way. Um, hmm. But yeah, it, it's just wild. So the reason that there's still flesh is because this place is super high and frozen most of the time. But also because it freezes and thaws that's going to have like a glacial effect on the remains that are under the ice so they're going to get like moved around and scraped against the rock and shit by the ice depending on how deep yeah. they are so yeah 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 uh, that'll also clean the bones um i would imagine maybe frozen flesh holds up a little bit better than fabric um that's still amazing yeah, though. Right? i mean stuff, i'm still you know, know especially the different kinds of different cultures different rate like that's like why like what would be the reason for yeah, you know, like uh, people, know. like the the group that was from the South Asian subcontinent makes sense, even if they were on the other side of the Himalayas than uh, where people would normally think of. Right, right. Um, because they might, they would probably have a better reason for traveling through that area than people from Crete. Well, that's what throws um, me off is that right there. I mean, you know, yeah. you're, you're talking about a whole different culture of people. Why? Like why? It, it just doesn't make unless John, like you were saying, maybe at war there's uh, even the communication. Like you're you're back in I, I wouldn't think twelve thousand years ago that you're even going to have any contact with somebody from that. That's what's weird about it. Huh. Well, I, the weird thing too is like a mountain range is a lot more likely to separate two uh, groups of people for a long period of time than a vast expanse of water because humans are just really good at making boats and shit. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, mountains 
sucks. Yeah, especially if they're super tall mountains like the Himalayas or right, the, yeah. like the Alps, for instance, even like mm-hmm. the Alps kept different tribal cultures separated for thousands of years in Europe. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I've seen the Alps in various countries, and I mean, those things are... We live in Salt Lake to where you know we have the Wasatch Front, which are huge mountains in their own right. But um, I've driven through parts of the Alps, and I, I was blown away. Like it, they're Wasatch Front times like twenty. I don't know, crazy. They're, it's pretty incredible. So well, like, just, there's no yeah. like if I saw that, I'd be like, well, like, I'm living here forever. Hey, I'm gonna take I'm a- not, like, <laughs> right. yeah, I'm not walking up that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I mean, especially in a time where uh, there might not be a lot of like excess resources to like fund someone to go walking off yeah. into the mountains for fucking ever. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially like any time in history where life has just been hard and shitty mm-hmm. for pretty much all of human history up right. until like right now. Right. Well, so, yeah, let's not change. Like, no, I'm gonna. Well, it's shitty in a different way. <laughs> but I mean, I can go take yeah. a hot shower right now and talk to you guys on a computer. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's we amazing. We definitely have it very much easier. Yeah, we're like, not working in the fields all day, every day, just to try and have enough to eat through the winter, you know? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh. Huh. <laughs> I have to chop firewood every single day just to get some heat. That's interesting. That so, always fascinates me about That is how, really interesting. And where they find these things. That's a, the, you know, like when Easter Island was discovered and you know, we're still finding these things as, you know, history, you know, we're finding we're making progress to science, we're, you know, the migration, what was it? Like and Josh, I don't know if you caught this 3 or 4 months ago that they caught that the migration between uh, the Asian continent and Europe was completely off from what they originally had patterned. It was, and they're off literally by 5,000, 8,000 years. Like that's, you know, in time, that's not a huge chunk, but in just our evolution. Well, in recent history, that's a huge, chunk. yeah, it's a huge chunk. Exactly. So just, yeah, it always just, oh, so meaning that they thought there was like a movement between uh, the Asian continent and Europe Five thousand years earlier, yeah, five to eight thousand years earlier. Well, that makes sense because we're probably like have been going off European sourcing forever, and like Europe forgot how to read for a couple hundred years um, (laughs) in the middle of all of that. So, uh, like, if you go back and look at like probably like Chinese uh, records, they're going to go back a lot farther because they didn't forget how to read after the collapse of the Roman Empire. Well, and all these just psycho kings are the ones making the history. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. You yeah. Know. Just crazy. It's like, kind of neat. Do when not write that. That did not happen. <laughs> the King James yeah. Bible is a good example. Eh, anyway. Um, <laughs> cool. That's what? neither here nor there. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, awesome. Josh, thank you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, John, we'll kick it back off with you. Hopefully you guys enjoy our news episode and we will return. Stand by. Follow Strange Uncles down the rabbit hole of the wild and bizarre as they uncover history that shouldn't be talked about, topics that don't fit into the norm, and conspiracies that sometimes run amok. Find our website at mystrangeuncles.com, follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Strange Uncles, or check out our YouTube channel, Strange Uncles Podcast, where we're adding new content every week. Open the gates. All right, and we are back. John, what do you got? 
Uh, so I came across this on the debrief. This is by Tim McMillan. And just this past weekend, uh, there was a historic meteor that lit up the sky over Great Britain. It's a UK fireball that like made sonic booms and everything. Um, lit up the skies on Sunday at 9.56 p.m. local time. Uh, the American Meteor Society, which monitors and tracks meteor sightings worldwide, said the UK fireball was one of the most significant meteor events in modern history. Hmm. Quote, we had over 750 witness reports in the first two hours after it happened. This rarely happens and puts the event in the top five to ten uh, American Meteor Society AMS events of all time, said Mike Hankey. Um, and he is the operations manager of the American Society. Um, American Meteor Society, sorry. Uh, witnesses reported seeing a spectacular fireball as it darted across the sky from as far as away as the Netherlands and Belgium. Wow. Uh, Wales Online reported eyewitnesses in Birmingham described it as a massive fireball, with some saying they heard a sizzling sound as it hurled towards the Earth's surface. Um, others reported hearing a thundering explosion causing a roaring sonic boom as the meteor spread through the Earth's atmosphere faster than the speed of sound. Um, so also where it crashed, where it supposedly landed, um, is in a place called Stratford upon Avon. Hmm. And that's where the meteors believed to be touched down. And so there should be a ton of meteorites, um, kind of all over that area right now. So that would be pretty sweet. If I lived in that area, I'd be kind of, Oh dude, looking around for any, any weird looking rocks or anything. Yep. Um, there. Are, so let's see here. Um, yeah, they had like over thirty reports of sonic booms. Uh, let's see. Yeah. So um, the last UK fireball um, locating fragments of the UK fireball would be a historic achievement and represent the first time a meteorite has been recovered in Great Britain in thirty years. Hanky says. Uh, the last meteorite fall in the UK to be recovered was in 1991. There have been a total of 35 meteorite falls recovered in the UK recorded history. I feel like you could get a That's decent crazy. chunk of change if you find one of these meteorites. Oh, my God. So I know we do have uh, at least one uh, English listener. Um, if you live anywhere near the Stratford-upon-Avon or like Clifford Chambers area. <laughs> Drive that way. <laughs> um yeah yeah and i mean the island the U- uk is fairly small i've driven all over it and uh doesn't take that long to get from point a to point b as long as the traffic isn't bad which english traffic is horrendous that's what i heard yeah once or twice oh my god that, that's amazing so there are way t- there are way too many people on that island well and not only that but you know being a gemstone guy or rock and mineral guy which i just am fascinated by um for those of you may or may not know so there's a gemstone called moldavite and it actually was found in Russia, I think it crashed like 15,000 years ago, and it is a precious gemstone, and it came off that one fucking meteorite. So that's all we have. So the prices on that stuff has gone wow. up. Same thing with this thing. If there's anything that's precious that might have landed, or you know whether it's mm-hmm. iron or whether it's, I mean, it's its own attribute at this point. So that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Because you don't get that a lot. A lot of them burn up in atmosphere, whatever have you. Um, yeah. yeah, man, that's cool. That's fucking cool. So, yeah, there's somebody's going to find some of that if it's not a scientist. That's the thing. I bet scientists are already out there looking for it, and they actually know what they're looking for. Right. Versus me, I'd just be like, 
That's a cool rock. Is this a meteorite? (laughs) Is this a meteorite? (laughs) Just grab my wheelbarrow and just throw any rock I see around the Stratford upon Avon area. Just be like, oh, no, John, that's coal. (laughs) That's That's gold. Throw that that shit away. That's gold. No, John, that's a dried out dog shit. (laughs) (laughs) Tori's like, oh, this would be great for the garden. We'll just lay it around like ornaments. No meteors, but still cool. (laughs) Fucking funny. Yeah, that shit amazes me when you hear about that. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, I got the that video news. is actually the video is really cool too. If anybody wants to see it, go to the, the debrief dot uh, org, and I think it's somewhere on their main page. But now, was that that one there. that uh, literally like it's a bright blue, like you it covers a whole night sky as it just fucking lands in? Was that that one or mm, yeah, yeah, yeah? I know yeah. that's very vague um, in the description, but yeah. Have I ever told you guys about the uh, meteor that I saw? I think so, but tell us again. I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. So um, we played a show in Albuquerque one time, and we'd loaded up, and we had a night drive. I can't remember where we were going. I think we were going towards Phoenix, but we had this night drive, pitch black. I think it was probably around 1.32 in the morning after the show. We started our drive. And all of a sudden for like, it was a, just like a one, 1000, like that, that mm, fast, that quick. It, it was daytime on the freeway. Like I could see the blades of grass in the middle of the freeway. Oh, like wow. it was daytime for one second. And in front of me, I saw a giant fireball just, and then just immediately disappear. That's but crazy. I could, I saw a giant fireball come out and it lasted like one, 1000. And everybody in the van was sleeping. Oh, shit. And I was driving. I'm like, holy shit. It was so crazy, especially in New Mexico. And when I did night drives, I did a lot of night drives. And I would always be looking out. You know, it's always fun during night drives to talk about UFOs and ghosts and all that stuff. So, like, when that happened, I was, like, looking in the back of the van. Like, did anybody see that? Even Captain, like, the dude sitting Captain was asleep. Um but yeah, it was Jesus, one of the most incredible crazy. things I've ever seen. It was really, really awesome. Did they ever figure out what, like, where it landed or what it was? Did I never really, I it? never looked into it at huh. all. Like, yeah. I was just too busy on tour, kind of like, and I just didn't think of it. I just was like, holy shit. But yeah, it was just a giant fireball. And it literally, it was, not even kidding you, like daylight. It was like 12 p.m., like sunny That's day. That's fucking crazy. So yeah. I, I got a dumb meteorite story that I've never seen one, mind you, but I just find this fucking fascinating. And then we can kind of move on. But um, So I lived in Wenatchee, Washington for a bit, and it's about three and a half, four hours from Seattle. Got to go up and over the hills, over the pass, and, and it sits on this plateau where there's a town about 40 miles away from that called Waterville, and that's where my aunt and uncle lived, and they had a house up there. And it is when the it, it's known. I don't know if it's, it's one of. I don't know if it's the of, but it is one of the most highest elevation incorporated towns in the country, because it sets like at this four thousand something elevation, like it's crazy, you know. And it's just this tiny little. Maybe there's eight hundred people in town, maybe. But they had over the history, they had so many meteorites that have hit that town. Like literally farmers would be plowing their fucking fields and they'd run into a rock and they'd chuck it over the fence and get rid of it. Well, it's a meteorite and they had no clue it was. And so they opened this museum up after a while 
and you can go there and tour like fluorite meteorites and tectites and all these other things that they have on display. Like that whole town is just covered in these, just whether they're pebble size or they're, you know, five, 10, 15 pound stone size. Like I've never seen nothing like it. And, and the farmers just didn't give a shit. They didn't care. Like they didn't know what they yeah. were to them. It was a rock. So they just fucking threw it over the fence and got rid of it. But uh, just, yeah, weird little, uh, just a weird little place. I always thought so. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy that we are just one tiny little, tiny little speck. That's it. In the vastness of space just floating yep. around. Twirling around on this little rock. You know, who's to know? And if we get a big enough meteorite, we go the way of the dinosaurs. So, yeah, yeah there it is. Enough asteroid comes for us. Or, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Shit. Pretty wild. Well, with that being said, if we didn't ch- scare you enough with meteorites, you know, crashing into Earth and taking everything that we know, um, let me scare you a little bit more. So here's a title for this news article. This actually came off of Vice. Internet occultists are trying to change reality with a magical algorithm. Did you guys uh, see this at all coming through? No. Okay, so this is interesting. Um, for those of you who do not know, which if you listen to the podcast, you should, but if you don't, when we talk about magical algorithm and um, sigils, basically, and rituals, this is what this is all tied into. Again, that all sounds prehistoric, right? So, you know, the brief history of it, you know, for thousands of years, runes, glyphs, and icons have been used in occult rituals and spiritual practices to mess with reality. You know, today, drawings imbued with desires of their creators called sigils are undergoing a resurgence. Advocates insist they really work, and a new app, mind you, an app called the Sigil Engine, automates the whole process, aiming to make inventing reality even more accessible. So, again, this is ancient magic that if you believe in something, like for those of you who know chaos magic, if you believe in something enough, if you focus power of intent, we talk about this all the time, there's a possibility, there's a theory that that literally can change what what we know as reality. And a lot of people believe that we're in this weird fucking flap that we are in this era because uh, somebody like Jack Parsons wasn't around to close that window when he brought things in or somebody had, you know, the rituals were powerful enough or the thought transforms were powerful enough that that's why we're in the situation we're in. But now they're actually going down and using technology to do something like that. Um, Just a brief little thing here. So the sigil creation process usually goes like this. Write down whatever you want to achieve, remove any vowels and repeating letters, and then position the remaining letters into a pleasing arrangement. Finally, you've got to charge your creation. Methods for this vary, but you can meditate, sing at, or most commonly masturbate to your symbol, which is true. (laughs) Sex magic is a thing, folks. Um, before finally yeah. destroying or forgetting all about it and awaiting the results. So skeptics might balk at the idea of drawing our own realities, but others may also find themselves surprised at the results, which believers say work best when they're within the boundaries of your day-to-day life. Quote, there's no point charging a sigil to win the lottery if you don't buy a ticket. I don't know. Thoughts on this, guys? There's um, absolutely actually- no way this could go wrong. <laughs> I'm actually um, on this right now. I'm on sigilengine.com. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I just went to it and, and on it, it just says, um, it just says, uh, write your intention. Mm-hmm. So I wrote to be happy. You know, I was like, fuck it. Yeah. I yeah. want to be happy. And it, it made me a sigil. Let's see if it does it twice in a row. Create sigil. And then, yeah, 
drops the vowels and then it moves. The <laughs> Sorry, listeners, for the look on jo- Josh's look right now on his face as <laughs> you're looking this up, John's like classic. Yeah, uh, so this one's a little bit different, but um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but I am on it and it made me a little sigil in two seconds. Isn't that so? I was just uh, <laughs> going to say, whoa, put it away there, big fella. <laughs> right. Well, and then it char- just exactly. Charge just, that sigil on your own time. Yeah, then it just says uh, <laughs> export. So I guess you can export it on your computer and uh, do whatever you want with your new sigil, which I guess is kind of cool if you're all about sigils and magic and stuff. Well, and yeah, it's cool. But at the, at the but here's the other thing. The flip side is this is for us who, you know, we're, I, I feel like, you know, us three, we got some morals about us. We've got some ethics about us, right? You know, we want good versus bad. But what about the other side? What about people that want that power or want something out of it? And they stumble on this. This is always that, you know, yin and yang, right? Evil versus good type thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, of course, this is technology. Now we have technology. You just created a sigil. Who knows what that sigil is going to do? And you charged it, hopefully the right way. Who knows if somebody else doesn't? I mean, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you put that karma out there. Karma is going to bite you in the ass depending on what it is. I, I don't know, guys. For This is kind of fucking scary if you ask me, but maybe that's mm. just me. I guess if you believe. I, I don't right? think it's super scary. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not. I'm not scared. I think, re- <laughs> I think reality is probably strong enough to um, withstand a few fucking dickwads going on sigilengine.com and uh, jerking and, off to make their own dreams come true, even if those dreams might be nightmares for other people. And uh, honestly, I think if you have that ill intent of sh- being shitty and that's what you want to do, like you don't need a sigil to do that. You're just going to do it. Oh, true. True. Yeah. No, I'm you're just, yeah, 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 just going to be and, shitty. And you know, right. you create your right. own world around you. So you don't need a sigil or you don't need magic. You're just going to create a sh- shittiness around you. Yeah. Right. It's a lot easier to put shitty intent into action in our world in this day and age into like an immediate forceful action that you're going to see results from right away than it is to like put out the intentions of like happiness and wanting to create or uh, or establish something good. You know what Agreed. I mean? Like it's just it's just easier to go out there and cause havoc than it is to create or uh, build good things. Yeah, I'm in a bad mood. Can you guys tell? <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the thing, and and yeah, I agree with all that. You know, but it's something Josh you said in the very beginning of this whole thing when you were talking is, you know, hey, a few people doing this shitty thing over here. Da da da. Yeah. You know, fair enough. You want to be an asshole and cause that negativity that, you know, that's on you. And maybe this isn't a big thing. Um, But here is some follow up to the rest of this article. And then I'm done on my side. So the sigil engine released in late 19, 2020. It has now been used more than 300,000 times with people typing their magical intentions spread across seven continents. According to the creators, at least some of the engines usually say it works, with success stories covering everything from home renovations to fertility, and even those who have made automated sigil production part of their daily routine. So, interesting. you know. I mean, yeah. I guess when you scale it up to like a worldwide level, it might have... Yeah, it might cause a dent. bigger ramifications. Right? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. I like. Don't get me wrong. I just watched the latest episode of uh, 
WandaVision, so who knows? Maybe there is a Scarlet <laughs> Witch out there that can just Touché. fucking mold reality to whatever they want it to be, but I think the average person in general doesn't exert like a ton of influence over reality. And even if you scale that up in an algorithmic sense, like I think you would need mass participation, like not just yep. a few thousand yep. people, yep. but and, like yeah. and you'd millions have people of people doing it every day right. and probably focused on something specific. Exactly. And, and so for those of you who just a caveat on this side, listeners, I'm not like, I don't, you know, I study magic. I've read about it. I've read the history, you know, it fascinates me. I, I'm not a, a believer in it necessarily. I do believe that, you know, you can make you know, things you see and, and we've all talked about this on the podcast. You know, some things, things just happen as weird that they happen. You know, maybe you're thinking something, you know, John, you had somebody walk in the bar and you said that person's going to order and lo and behold, they did. You know, there's these little tiny things we see around us that maybe we, there's something to it. Maybe there's not. Um, but I don't know, you know, if you give people a tool, even uh, as obscure as that tool is, Who's to say that they're going to use it for good or bad intentions? And I guess that's the end of the whole, yeah. you know, premise. Yeah. Of it. I, well, I mean, Psy is real for sure. And it's been measured in like actual like laboratory settings and like the yeah. ramifications of it have been measured. But the testing is so limited and small that it's hard to say like what, like how, how much of an impact it can have. But, right. but it is a real thing. You yeah. Know? And it's not really science. Uh, and, so. Yeah, just reading kind of on the Q&A on the Sigil engine. Um, they are, like, they tell you how to charge my Sigil is sex magic, basically. Oh, yeah. there you go. It's like, how do I charge my Sigil? How do I charge my Sigil? How? By using sex magic, of course. I'm on it board. say, of course, I added that in there. <laughs> that is by reaching climax and at the very point of absolute bliss, focusing all of it into the sigil. Trust me, it's much easier said than done. Hmm. They uh, need to hire you to spice up their content. Yeah, there you go. Shaka, shaka, boom, boom. <laughs> shaka, shaka, shaka. Too funny. What do you got, Josh? Um, that is interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I thought so. So. Well, I'm going to go ahead and keep it grim, you know, because why the <laughs> fuck not? Um this story is also from the debrief. Uh, new study says Atlantic Ocean circulation is weakest in 1,600 years. Oh, dun, dun, dun. God. Uh, this ties into one of my all-time favorite movies that I especially like to put on when it's uh, storming in any way. Uh, the Day After Tomorrow, which is just like a Roland Emmerich disaster epic. It, is that your from, rom-com? Like, the early 2000s. Is that your rom-com yeah, there's, go-to? there's a little bit of rom-com in there, too. Uh, it's got it's starring Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, uh, Dennis Quaid, among a few other people. Um, but the, the primary thesis of the movie is that um, they have a bunch of polar ice melting um, and that cold fresh water dumped into the Atlantic shuts down the North Atlantic conveyor, the current that keeps Europe warm basically. And then it creates these giant snow hurricanes over the continents and, uh, you know, millions of people die. It's pretty awesome. Um, but anyway, so whenever I see anything about the North Atlantic conveyor, I'm like, what? <laughs> so, um, one of the most significant contributors to climate and its effect on our planet involves the role of our oceans play in redistributing in the redistribution of heat around the globe. Um, so basically the key to understanding this is that uh, 
hot or, well not hot like warmer saltier water i think it's that's the way it goes is warmer saltier wa- water up towards the surface goes north um which is kind of what keeps uh northwestern europe so temperate even though it's pretty high up in latitude okay. um and as it goes up and water starts to cool it drops down deeper and is less salty and moves along um the lower levels of the ocean um and comes back down towards the equator where it gets warm again and uh basically circulates like a weird water slide um and uh that is actually why north america and northwestern europe have their uh pretty temperate climates like a big reason for it like why uh siberia is at the same latitude as uh paris but one's super cold and one's super not um gotcha Hmm. okay so anyway it's been slowed down um considerably like it's the slowest and weakest it's been in decades which is pretty concerning considering the plot of the movie i just cited um (laughs) but also like this could have incredibly negative um climate uh ramifications like uh the theory that's the central point of the plot of the day after tomorrow is not necessarily wrong like they do show like uh, ancient climate models do show that towards the end of the Pleistocene era, uh, kind of the same thing happened where the North Atlantic conveyor um, or as it's actually normal, uh, formally called AMIC, which is uh, the Atlantic, some word that's really hard to pronounce um, uh, Atlantic meridional overturning circulation, um, which is separate from the Gulf stream, but they work um, in concert to make that whole North Atlantic conveyor work. Um, hmm. Anyway, during the end of the Pleistocene era, it had a similar slowdown, which caused uh, regressions back to colder temperatures. So the end of the Pleistocene era was the end of the last ice age. Um, so it does have huge climate ramifications, um, but uh, according to a study that's quoted in this article, they don't want you to get too freaked out um, because atmosphere is actually more uh impactful than the currents in the ocean um but the currents in the ocean do charge the air in the atmosphere also so like that's when you see climate change playing into increased storm intensity uh that's why like the oceans are warmer which is slowing down um the weather patterns over the oceans. So when these tropical storms and hurricanes are starting, they're sitting over warm water and just soaking all of that moisture up. Um, and they're staying there longer than they used to. And they're moving more slowly. So when they do make landfall, like, uh, the last storm a year or two ago that hit over Houston, I don't remember the name of it that just destroyed Houston. Um, it was a super huge and super intense hurricane that also sat in the same spot forever. And then, yeah. And then on top of that, uh, they went and paved over all the wetlands in Houston. So all that water had nowhere to go. Um, but these slowing of the slowing of this, uh, of this basically circulatory system of the ocean has pretty wild ramifications in that regard. Not just like, you know, movie ramifications, but also uh, it's definitely going to factor into storm intensity and, and climate issues going forward. And also like, I don't, it, we don't really know what this means as far as like the problems we're already seeing with the oceans where they're getting warmer and uh, you know, there like are lots of dead areas now where they don't have 
a lot of oxygen and shit like that, not just from oh yeah climate issues, but also from us dumping shitloads of phosphates from fertilizers yeah. into yeah. our river systems. Joy, like mm-hmm. yeah, joy. So and anyway, add, and add that to just general climate change. You know, another thing that yeah. would be a lot better to spend three hundred million or three hundred billion dollars on than building a fucking space hotel. God damn, yeah. I'm an asshole. I shouldn't have brought that up because that really fucking. It's no. <laughs> good. Um, and Josh, Man. actually, that word is meridional. And the only thank reason, you. Yeah, and the only reason I know that is because Norma Jean has a record called Meridional. Oh no shit! Okay, so, there you go. <laughs> as soon as you're struggling, the word like Meridional. I'm like. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's trying to say Meridian. Also, I looked up your article, and I'm like, boom, I know this one. Funny. No, damn you, scary shit, by the way. <laughs> yes, I hate saying words wrong, and I do it a lot. Yeah, join the club. I had a fucking stroke It's a, last it's a weird one. I've I've heard literally on tour like a million people be like, Meridani Dole. I'm like, yeah, so... <laughs> As soon Mary as you said it kind of like that, I'm like, I think he's trying to say. Yeah. No, you know, like, that's know just, word he's fuck, to say. that's scary. So, I mean, you um, add yeah, that on to everything else. Jesus, yeah, right? I mean, uh, I skimmed over 90% of the article towards the end of it. They're like, this sounds Good. pretty alarmist, and we're doing that, of course, to get eyeballs on the article. But, um, right. you know, they're like, don't freak out, but also this is something you should be aware of. Basically. Yeah, pay, pay attention. Open one eye at least in yeah. that direction. Yeah. So Jesus, even, you know, even if it is a big deal, even if it is a big deal, we're going to be dead before it's like a super, super big deal. I don't know, man. Um, uh, in the day after know. tomorrow, like his original model says it's going to take hundreds of years. And then all of a sudden it's like, a matter of hours so well and not to be the bear well, bad if news. i've learned anything from day after tomorrow <laughs> you're right listen the ultimate survival guide consists of two movies it's the day after tomorrow and battle los angeles just watch those a bunch of times and you'll be fine i don't think yeah. i've seen battle los angeles i might have put that oh on my, man on my list it's ridiculous it's one of my favorite movies jesus christ well with that being said yeah no i mean i things that god in if we don't have enough problems going on there's that too. But you know, it just really goes to show we're not paying attention to this fucking rock we're living on and we're waiting to jump on Mars and do what to that. You know, it just, our, our priorities are not where they need to be and yeah. on any way, shape, or form. You know, it's fucking mm. sad. So that's yeah, true. Anyway, you know, we didn't want to be bare bad news on this one, but you know, hey, interesting. You know, that's, uh, I think it is what it is. So does anybody have anything else, any little tidbits or anything that might be more on the happy side? Well, yeah, um, <laughs> I've got something that's way, way cool. Um, I'm, <clears throat> so you guys all know about Oumuamua. It's the first interstellar thing that we've noticed travel into our solar system. So I bought a book called Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth, and it is written by astrophysicist Avi Loeb, and he has a hypothesis that it wasn't a comet or asteroid because there's no way it could be. There was no ice trail on it. There was, um, It just couldn't be a common asteroid or comet that we know of, and he thinks it... Um, was made by an intelligent extraterrestrial civilization. Um, and it could be like, you know, part of some other thing. It's just some debris, some space junk 
that has finally made its way in. And he has some really interesting things that, so we were only able to observe Oumuamua for uh, three or not three days, 11 days. We're only able to observe for 11 days, but in that 11 days, they noticed three huge things. One that it didn't have any ice. There was no ice trail from it. Right. Which means it, well, I mean, we already knew it's from outside the solar system, but that definitely means it couldn't be uh, like anything from the Oort cloud or anything like that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's not an Oort cloud. Um, It's, and it had um, a continual rotation and it constantly rotated and it also changed directions. Its orbit all of a sudden changed directions. Like all of a sudden. out of not as in influenced by like the gravity well of the sun, but like more like intelligent control or. Yeah. So oh, the gra- like the gravity of the sun couldn't have changed it the way it changed the direction of it. And that's, and it's been documented that like the path kind of just went. Beep. Um, and also there's no heat coming off of it. So we have all of these crazy telescopes that are put up into. Yeah. Like, like trying to look for asteroids, trying to look for heat signatures, trying to look for yeah, all yeah. this stuff. And it's right by the sun and it just bounced all of that heat back. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a typical rock. And so, and none of our satellite, like, well, obviously some of our satellites our satellites did catch it, but our initial things, like it goes on to the book, like the, this didn't catch it. This didn't catch it. Cause they look for like heat signatures. Mm-hmm. So like it didn't catch it because of it was looking for that. And well, yeah, like we didn't know it was here until it was like right on top of us. Right. Yeah. And then it was by the, t- we had 11 days to like observe it and then it was gone. So for these, for these basic three things, um, he believes that there's no way it could be like a natural thing that's just going on yeah it can't just be a comet it can't be an asteroid because it it has characteristics of something that's not just natural in the universe um and this dude avi Loeb, this isn't like some fringe guy this isn't some david ike dude or something like that you know what i mean like this guy is he's a legit scientist um, and I love him. He's, he's kind of talking about like a lot of his uh, God, why can't I think of the word? A lot of his not coworkers, but like his colleagues, colleagues, a lot of his colleagues. There's a lot of them that just chase awards and they chase safe, conservative science. When in fact, like Galileo, was put on house arrest one and like, they wouldn't even look through his telescope to say that the sun to say that the earth wasn't the center of the universe, you know? Yeah. But like he says like, you know, just a lot of these scientists these days just are chasing awards and they're trying to be very conservative. And we also like string theory and like stuff about the inner dimension, inner like uh, more dimensions and stuff there's like pretty much zero proof of any of that, but yet our mainstream scientists focus so much time on that. Mm. Yeah. When you look into the extraterrestrial hypothesis with like this thing that came through our solar system that like you have some crazy data, um, he just kind of is encouraging people to like, you know, come at it with a scientific mind 
but also don't hinder yourself because like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. people are like, how far could we have been in advance if we didn't like stifle these scientists? Right. If like, everyone was, if yeah. it was never frowned upon to ask the big questions. Right. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So yeah. this book is really awesome. And if you guys like he, this dude is so his resume is insane. And by the time I'm done reading, like all everything that he's involved with, you're going to be bored, but I'm going to, I'm going to read you some of the stuff because it's just like when i first read it it was just impressive how much stuff this guy is involved with just so you know like this isn't some crackpot writing this book um he serves as chair of harvard university's department of astronomy founding director of harvard's black hole initiative director of the institute for theory and computation within the harvard smithsonian center for astrophysics chair Chair of the Breakthrough Starshot Initiative, Chair of the Board on Physics and Astronomy of the National Academics, a member of the Advisory Board for the Digital Platform, Einstein Visualized the Impossible from the Hebrew University of Jerusalem, and a member of the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology in Washington, D.C. Enough already. Jesus, dude. <laughs> like, Why don't you use one of your crazy. seven PhDs to fly this ship? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so this book is amazing. I would recommend it to anyone. Um, it's called extraterrestrial. The first sign of intelligent life beyond earth. His name's Avi Loeb. Um, he's an Israeli, uh, astrophysicist that, uh, now is at Harvard. Um, and the book is just well-written easily. It's like an easy read. It's under 200 pages. Um, I've read almost the whole thing in two days. And the only reason I haven't finished it is because, I had to record this podcast and I had yard work to do. Um, <laughs> Thanks for the guilt. But yeah, there, he, he like brings up so many like crazy points about this. And like, now I'm like an expert at Oumuamua. Um, and this thing, Oumuamua did like some crazy things that weren't really revealed to us. And, and like, there's a lot of mainstream scientists that just like won't bother with it. Yeah. I would like to learn more about that. Maybe we can do that for like a Patreon episode or something like get way into the weeds on that. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, how do you print? What's his first name again? Avery? Avi, A-V-I, A-V-I-L-O-E-B. I think it's Abraham Loeb, but he goes by Avi, A-V-I. Okay. I'm looking that up now. Yeah, really good. Um, it it's my favorite book that I've read since American Madness by T. Krulos. That's all. And you know what? That that's and and again, I'll I'll actually reiterate that. I read American Madness in like one day. I just sat on the patio yeah. and I could not finish it. So there's something to be said about that. That's neat. I just ordered it. So yeah, kick ass, dude. Cool. Amazing, amazing. Uh, I've got a fun one to go out on. Well, it's like at least less depressing. Anyway. Um, Proving the existence of space hurricanes is incredible, says scientist. This isn't so like Sharknado, is it? Well, I wish. <laughs> um, no, uh, basically hurricanes in the upper atmosphere of planets had not been detected before the analysis by a team, including University of Reading scientists. Uh So scientists say they have confirmed the existence of space hurricanes after analyzing a 1,000-kilometer-wide swirling mass of plasma spotted hundreds of kilometers above the North Pole. Uh, The space hurricane, observed by satellites in the Earth's upper atmosphere, was raining electrons instead of water, uh, span or sorry, spun in an anti-clockwise direction and lasted nearly eight hours before breaking down. Uh, so basically like the Northern lights on steroids. 
Hmm. Um, this, uh, let's see. So the hurricane would be expected to lead to important space weather effects and disruption to GPS systems scientists found. Um, so basically, uh, these scientists finally, like this has been kind of theoretical for a long time. Um, they found the, they found one actually happening in our up, upper atmosphere, um, which I think this is uh, an artist's rend- rendering, not the actual footage, but um, it, uh, it looks super cool. It looks basically like a green pinwheel hurricane looking shape with shit coming out the top of it. Um, but they said that if it's happening in our planet, it's probably happening across the universe in uh because our atmospheric makeup is similar to a lot of other planets that they've seen so Mm. it's super interesting Interesting. um in an audio medium it doesn't really do it justice but uh yeah but just for space hurricanes that'd be a cool band name if nothing else yeah that's so that's so funny that's exactly what i was thinking i'm like would space hurricane be a cool (laughs) band name synchronicity (laughs) or would it be like the shitty beatles yeah right is that just a clever band name or do they suck (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's funny no that's amazing you know it's just you know what we discover every day is just oh man you know and there's so much more um for those of you listeners that have listened to us and new ones that know uh, literally we track news episodes every month and and just throughout the month we kind of gather and we get some of these are two weeks old three weeks old and some of these i don't know this episode's been really good as far as what's out there as far as news and what we have, and we try to make sure we cut, kind of cover the gamut for everybody, you know, where we give you a little bit of, you know, science, a little bit of space, a little bit of paranormal, um, you know, hopefully you like it, you know, for the most part. Uh, but that is actually going to wrap up this show for Patreon listeners. We actually are going to continue with a few more little news episodes. So if you're a Patreon member, stand by. We'll roll into that. If you're not, become one. And you can become one at anybody? Patreon.com dot com. Patreon.com slash strange uncles. Absolutely. And if you have a story or an adventure, anything you want to tell our way, anything you want to say, you can call us at 801-252-69-45. And you can write us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. Uh, we do have a website and I don't know, social media stuff. I mean, we're everywhere, but who wants to be specific here? Sure. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Strange Uncles Podcast. We're on Twitter at Strange Uncles. Um, come enjoy. Yes, please do, by all means. And a uh, little bit of what we're setting up for the future. So, in fact, I think next weekend, right, John, Josh, we got a date, I think, on Sunday. Um, I've been doing some research on remote viewing. We're going to take some notes. We're going to actually do some sessions. Uh, we had a Patreon member reach out to kind of give us some kind of tidbits about which way to go and different websites to check out, which thank you very much, Katie. Appreciate that. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if you guys are. I think it's very, very interesting how we're going to, you know, approach it. I think for the most part. No, I'm not looking forward to it at all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I told one of my friends that we were going to do it and he was like, I don't know, man, like maybe you guys need some like protection. Like, like like condoms? What does he think? So should we? Yes. We should all wear condoms. Next Brain Sunday? condoms, <laughs> consciousness just the condoms case. to keep from being overtaken by any astral entities or anything like consciousness that. Consciousness. I'm just gonna wear a condom just to be safe. 
and nothing well, I wear else. one all day just yeah. in case you never know you never know yeah I'm that's safety right. first really we're all grown men you know even if that's all we have on we're fine we'll figure it out one way or another <laughs> <laughs> but anyway yeah you guys should show up to my house only wearing condoms and that's it like a bunch of chili peppers walking and then across we'll, the sidewalk and then, and then we'll remote view <laughs> yeah. um, no but i'm really excited uh, i'm nervous i'm afraid that we're gonna try it then it's just like well at yeah. least we tried <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, at least we try. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's it. You have nothing else. So what we're going to do I is, mean, you know, oh, go ahead. All of, all of the research that, well, research, all of the stuff that I've learned about it says pretty much anyone can do it. So that's what they say. And, you know, and apparently I'm psychic. So let's. Yes. Let's allegedly. Get, let's get it on. Exactly. So we'll have that. And for the Patreon members, we actually will uh, be throwing out the live recordings. And for regular listeners, uh, we'll do a quick remote view write-up episode, what we experienced, um, some history. We did one episode before, but I I think, I don't know, I feel we're very vague on just covering kind of the high points of it. Uh, Yeah, it was pretty high level. Um, We talked about a lot of the history of it, a lot of like Operation Stargate and like uh, like the origins of it at SRI and stuff. But uh I don't I don't think we talked about modern applications really other than yeah. what they touched on in Third Eye Spies about like how there's a Russian company that is like, hey, we'll tell you what teams to bet on or what stocks to buy. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot right. about that. Yeah, well, yeah. it'd be cool to come from our own experience. Yeah. Regardless for sure. if you know if we're successful or we're not successful or we have like, you know, like a a percent of success. So yeah. A great hand decided to do yeah. that and yeah. share it with everybody. Yeah, and anybody that uh, has ideas for other experiments for us to do that are safe, by the way, um, let us know. You know, we'll we'll be more than happy to kind of reach out. We're always looking for something. So, but uh, that's all I have. You guys have anything else to follow up? Tidbits, items before we roll into Patreon? No, I think we should just get into Patreon. Negative Ghost Rider. The pattern is full. <laughs> all right, outstanding. Well, thank you, listeners, for listening, and we will see you next month on Fortean News. Close the gates.